This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yet again, Elon has failed to deliver when we've asked him for a bit of Semper Fidelis before our midweek pods live on X on Spaces. Good evening and welcome to yet another live episode of the Green and White podcast brought to you by Argyle Life. Shuey's wounded warriors headed east to the capital city and to, to W12. In particular, Matrade Loftus Road to face Marty Cifuentes's resurgent R's. That's easy to say. Following three, three wins in a row even, confidence was bound to be high in the home dressing room for the visit of the Green Army. Saturday's heavy defeat at Leicester still fresh in the minds of everyone. Shuey rung the changes once again, bringing in no fewer than eight new faces into the side. Most notably, Connor Hazard replacing the sideline Michael Cooper in goal. A bright and energetic but frantic at times first 20-25 minutes where Argyle laid on chance after chance with the home side struggling to even get out of their own half was quickly shattered when Dan Scar horribly misjudged a challenge on Elias Char leaving Premier League referee Tony Harrington with no alternative but to brandish a red card. It was all hands on deck from there, with the hoops throwing everything they had towards our back line, but it wasn't to be breached. And despite spending most of the second half camped in our own half, we came away with a huge point and clean sheets, which could be worth gold come the end of the season. I'm delighted to say that I have survived my first stint as pod host, which is bad news for all you listeners, because that means you're stuck with me once again. However, thankfully for us all, it's not just my voice you'll be hearing tonight across the next hour or so. We're going to be joined at various intervals by regulars on the pod. Sam, Ben, who's requested to speak, we'll get him on in a second. And in a weird quirk, 
for tonight's midweek pod. We're also going to be joined by podcast host Aaron, who's decided he'd rather spend life on the other side of proceedings for once, and will be joining us a little bit later. As always on these midweek spaces, we welcome your comments, questions and interaction on the pod across the evening. If you do wish to speak, if you do have anything you want to point out on all things QPR or later on in the show, as we get on towards previewing the Rotherham game, then please feel free to request and we will try our best to get you involved. Or if you don't want to get involved, just leave us a comment or a reply to the tweet. And I'm sure at some point across the next hour, we will get round to hearing from you. So without further ado, let's get Ben off mute and get his take on all things ours. Ben, good evening. Where do good you evening, start mate. on a thoroughly entertaining nil-nil for perhaps not all the right reasons? Yeah, um, it's funny that I, I was I was singing Dan Scar's praises uh, in direct comparison to to Pleggy and his his performances, um, which have seemed to lack a little bit of um, dedication, um, sort of commitment at times uh, in the last few few outings on the last pod. Uh, and then Dan Scar went and showed a bit too much dedication and commitment uh, after 25 minutes of what seemed to be a, one of our most impressive away uh, performances. Um, really, really good um, pressing performance, although um, we allowed um, the R's to have the ball at times in that. They never did anything with it, really, in that first 25 minutes. Um, and then, you know, we caught them quite often on the... Uh, in possession and, and, and countered um, were, were perhaps a little wasteful. Um, when you when you miss one or two, I think you can say that's that's one of those things. But when you sort of miss a good number, it becomes, I think, uh, in, in the territory of of being wasteful. But we also said on the on the previous pod um, that we could just do with stringing two decent forty five minutes together uh, as an away performance. We've had some decent halves of games in in away games this season. Um, and if we'd put two decent halves together at some point, rather than sort of having one strewn with errors, we could have come away with a, with at least a, a w- one win at some point. Now, ironically, we did put two decent 45 minutes together, in my opinion. I don't think there were any glaring mistakes, with ex- the obvious exception. Um, and yet, because of you know being reduced to 10 men, we didn't come away with the win, but I think it was quite universal. <clears throat> excuse me, among the among the fan base that it was a you know we could have got more potentially. We will never know, but it was a, a good point from the position that we were put in uh, for the last sort of what was this sixty five plus all the stoppage time, so um, no seventy five. Uh, so yeah, I think that it was a. Um, uh, there's there's much that can be inferred from it. I think the selection uh, and the formation was exactly what I'd have liked to see. Uh, I think that Kane Kessler Hayden and Brendan Galloway are the two best fullbacks for um, Shuey's inversions from fullback that he he likes to overload the midfield with. Um, even though you know Kane Kessler Hayden is learning his craft, um, and. I think for the first 25 minutes, the the whole system worked very well. It's a very small sample size. But I think those are my two favourite fullbacks from those that are fit to play that system. I think they're the ones best equipped to play that system, even if they're not the best necessarily all-round players or have the highest floors. Um, they probably have the, the highest ceilings for sure. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there are lots of positives to take. Most importantly, I think, being that we managed to string together two forty-five minutes without giving the opportunity the, the opponents uh, an easy chance. You know, I think against Leicester, um, many people were bemoaning not the fact that we lost because chances are we were going to lose, but rather that that we didn't make Leicester earn their goals. They would have probably scored if we had kept discipline, but we, they didn't have to uh, do anything special when we gifted them. Uh, at least three of those four goals, whereas against QPR, didn't give QPR anything, and they weren't able to fashion anything of their own from their own craft, um, and that you know was was really pleasing to see. And on another day with eleven men, might well have been you know our first away win, but it's certainly positive to see, you know, a, a good a, a return to uh, maybe since maybe Watford would be the only other time you could say we put two forty fives together, which have been really convincing. Um, you know, Hull was in with a shout, except for right at the end of the first half, obviously, which so you can't claim that to be a full 45 minutes, even though it was uh, past the 45 minutes that the error occurred. So it's nice to have seen um, two 45 minutes. It's nice to have seen the fans back um, in tune with the players and the players with the with the fans, though I think, you know, any sort of rumblings that happened sort of post-Swansea and, and Millwall were put to bed with, with Randall's injury time winner. Um, against uh, Stoke, so I think that's that's nice to see as well. Uh, and you know, there's been some rumblings about the effort and commitment of the Green Army going away on these uh, these massive treks and expensive treks that they have to go on, and and the fact that we've not seen three points. But you know, I think that um, you know recent away trips have been encouraging and appreciated by the Green Army, and that's that's that bodes well too. So all in all, I think I'd have, you know before the game. Before I seen the first twenty five minutes, I'd probably have snapped your hand off for a nil nil. Good to keep a clean sheet, come away with a point, keep that gap between us and QPR in the first relegation place. However, after the first twenty five minutes, it is uh, it was a little perhaps you know once you've seen that to say we're going to end nil nil, you'd have been a bit disappointed had you not realised we were going to go down to to ten men. So I think it's one that you can easily reconcile with, uh, despite there being the potential there for our our first away win of the season. Yeah, I mean, you've you've done well there, Ben, really, not to, you know, take away too many of my talking points across this evening. Only about half a dozen in that, <laughs> in that opening monologue, which is good. Um, we'll go straight into full-time thoughts that we ask for on Argyle Life after every game. And we're going to start with you, Ben. I'm going to hang you out to dry here. Your full-time thoughts were probably dominate them and lose to a late counter with 11. As much as I will lament what could have been a lot to be positive about, you also suggested Galloway straight into the ice bath. I think straight into an ice bath with some bubble wrap around him would have been more appropriate. <laughs> Tom Harris says it's a great point considering the circumstances. Hazard made some key saves, but the number of blocks and big tackles that went in were unreal. We're going to come on to that in a second. Subs came on and well and truly played their part. Saturday is now massive. Um, Lee Smith says massive point. First 20 minutes we were superb and should have been at least 1-0 up when the red card came. Completely different game from then on, and we defended heroically. Gibson, Galloway, and Cundall, all of them outstanding. Good result going into another huge game on Saturday. Well done, Lee. You've named all three players that I have written down on my notes that we are going to eulogise over across the course of the next hour. Mm -hmm. uh, Jay says, what a heroic performance from Argyle tonight. Yes, we were in complete control on 20 minutes, but again, we didn't take our chances. Then the red card changed the match completely, but credit to Argyle. What a heroic defensive performance in that second half. Valuable away point. We'll come on to a few more of the comments a little bit later on because they all do take on a pretty 
pretty similar theme. I mean, we I touched on it in the opening introduction that there were eight changes from the side that took part at the weekend at Leicester. Um, I was struggling to... I didn't realise I had so many fingers on my hand when I was trying to count how many changes had been made before the game. So I'm glad there are some well-paid journalists in better positions than me to tell me that there were eight changes. Um, it was probably no surprise, was it, Ben, that the who the eight changes were. I think we all expected it to be near as damn it our strongest possible 11 we're going to take to the field last night. Um, obviously, we had the news on, when was it, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, Chris Arrington broke the news that Michael Cooper was going to be struggling to make the game with a dead leg, meaning that Connor Hazard, who'd fresh off a couple of games for Northern Ireland in the last international break, made a return to the Argyle side. He is a huge frame of a fella um, who wouldn't look out of place in a British basketball league side. Just talk to me about Connor Hazard and... Michael Cooper and where you sit in the debate because obviously it's very difficult to come to conclusions at the back of just one 90 minutes and we all know Hazard's strengths we all know Michael Cooper's strengths talk to me about Connor Hazard last night and your thoughts on him in general yeah I, I don't know how much you 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 are on Twitter uh, and how much you pay attention to my Twitter in particular but you know, all season I've I've seen the flack he's got and I too have been critical, especially early in the season where he was being asked to play really at the towards the top of his, his penalty area as, as, a, as a sweeper, um, as I covered um, in one of my one of the videos on my own um, YouTube about the sort of the way he was playing in a pseudo back three, as it were, to sort of get the best out of that. Um, what you get from a back three, being able to pass the ball around and draw men forward, whilst also keeping the, the numerical advantage further up the field. Um, and he did look very ropey in that. But it's another example where you know, people sort of uh, have, have given me the label of being a bit of a stats man. But I think that stats are secondary to to what you see with your eyes. But stats are very important to contextualise what you're seeing and making sure that you aren't being... Um, <laughs> misled by your eyes because often we can lay emphasis on things that that, uh, that don't really deserve it and I think that Hazard early early doors early in the season seemed very shaky both with his distribution but also in the I think what was most notable in the confidence that he instilled or wasn't instilling in the back line which Mike Cooper does um, which was evident last season and then even you know immediately on his return there was a t almost tangible improvement in the in the in the, in the communication and the the poise in, amongst the back back line and he certainly is is better in the air than hazard but other than that um other than sort of the the weighting i think that's been given to um the, the that feeling amongst the defensive unit at the start of the season connor hazard hasn't done much wrong he was overtaken uh in the Leicester game by by Mike Cooper for um, goals prevented uh, against on target XG, but then after this game he's then reclaimed that, and uh, because he kept out 0.95 on target XG uh, with a clean sheet, and so you know the, the two of them are stop shoppers to to, to be blunt to, to sort of where that point is going as, as shot stoppers. They're both pretty equivalent this season. Um, and Cooper has a, a higher save percentage, but that doesn't really mean much because 
he is facing lower quality shots when you look at the on-target XG. So in terms of when you know when the ball's coming at them, they're both stopping more than you'd expect them to. In fact, Hazard would walk into statistically would walk into the vast majority of of championship teams. He doesn't do what you'd think would be the most obvious thing for a man of his size to do, which is dominate the the air. Although last night it was pleasing to see. Uh, I only watched the second half live, but to watch back the the first half as well, there were there were you know it wasn't quite as as commanding as as Mike Cooper can be, um, but he certainly did more aerially. Uh, came and came and collected a few balls around the six yard box that were 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 put in, and that was pleasing to see. But he's also a pretty good distri- distributor of the ball. You know uh, there have been a few games where Mike Cooper his, his long balls have been woeful, um, and Hazard, other than sort of playing into the wind, I think it was Huddersfield. The first game was incredibly windy. Um, and he was struggling to find anyone. With the long ball, Hazard's actually particularly good. Um, and as someone I was discussing with someone on Twitter, the fact that you know you make a, a successful pass on the statistics sheet doesn't necessarily mean it's a good pass that puts your your player into a, a good position. It could be a hospital pass. So so absolute passing statistics are not the be all and end all. Um, he does have a, a better passing percentage. Um, a success than, than Mike Cooper all around. Um, so he's not a bad keeper in all of the aspects that you would, you know, would consider important. And, he, and he's certainly comparable to Mike Cooper this season, at least in, in many of them. And I thought it's been quite unfair. Some of the, um, the battering he's taken from fans saying he's not, you know, doesn't deserve to be spoken of in the same breath as, as Mike Cooper when, but I, both to my eye, but also statistically, um, that just doesn't seem true. He's he seemed to perform pretty well. He's pulled off some absolutely world class saves, two or three of this season, and, and a, a whole bunch that have also been very good. Uh, and yes, he's made some mistakes, but some of the, like, for example, the balls he's palmed back into dangerous areas, etc. He's got no right to be saving, really. You know, most keepers would be conceding those shots. So to get to some of those. Um, even though they're sort of being knocked back into dangerous areas, which is what catches the eye. The fact, the very fact that he's got to them in a sense out, outweighs the uh, the the way he's maybe not controlled it or or, or gathered it as you'd you'd like him to. Um, so in, in short, I think he's an excellent keeper, and again, he, he could walk into a lot of teams. And I put a, I put a, a sort of tweet out sort of what probably just over twenty four hours ago now, saying hopefully now that Cooper's come back. And it, he's not sort of on the same pedestal that he was because when someone's out for a while, you can sort of, you know, uh, what's what's the glorify or hero lionize yeah. them. Yeah. Um. And and sort of like now he's come back in and people have seen him in, in the condition he's in, not the player he was, but the player he is now coming back from injury. Um. They can actually get a better handle on on Hazard, and some people were saying, don't be ridiculous. You know, he, the Cooper's like 10 times the keeper that Hazard was. And then, ironically, 24 hours later, I'm now hearing calls that Hazard should stay in and Cooper should maybe not re- re- regain his place. And I'm on the other side of that fence. Don't, all don't, of, go, all of... don't go taking any more questions. Oh, from okay. Tomato, ben. okay. Come on. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a, doing a job. Don't do what Aaron has to go through every week. Don't start stealing me questions too early. You, you shouldn't be having any empathy for Aaron. You know, come on, mate. Well, that's, we'll, that's a we'll slippery come, slope. We might, um, we might come on to that in one of the later talking points. Empathy for Aaron, but <laughs> um, we've got, we got Sam, who's um, very kindly joined us, and Sam was one of the 
2,000 extraordinary supporters at Loftus Road last night who didn't stop making noise and got right behind them. Sam, I just want to bring you some fop mob stats before we get your review of the Far game. Far away. From at the, from at the game. So 29 shots for the R's, 9 blocks, 17 shots inside the box. They completed 593 accurate passes. But all in all, there were 16 interceptions from Argyle, 9 blocks, 45 clearances from Argyle and 10 saves. As you think back to all those dark days of League 2 and scrapping for points in League 1, I accept there could be recency bias in this question. Have you ever recalled a more heroic rearguard for an Argyle side in getting a point like we saw last night? Um, um, I'm glad you added the words getting a point because I was about to say Anfield, but obviously that was a, uh, an FA Cup game. Uh, in terms of getting a point, not many, no. Um, I can think of games whereby the keepers maybe kept us in it a bit more than last night, but that's that's because in those other games, I'm, I'm thinking of the game at shot in League 2 when Jake Cole saved a penalty and made a number of other great saves, yeah, but yeah. Um, obviously in those games, it was more scenarios where the defence kind of didn't really do their job and, and left the keeper to, to rescue us, whereas I don't think that was the case yesterday at all. But don't get me wrong, Connor Hazard did play very well, but that, you know, that was that wasn't as a result of the defence playing badly. It was more the case that with ten against eleven, naturally they were going to create some chances. That wasn't a failing on our defence. But what our defence did do so well is they minimised the chances QPR were able to create. They kind of um, often left them to more speculative pot shots rather than letting them have a clear sight of goal. I think you could possibly argue the best two chances in the game were were, were, were actually arguably both our own with the with the Ryan Hardy ones. The one at nil nil. Uh, it, before the red well, at nil nil, it, it was a finished nil nil. Uh, well, at, at, at eleven v eleven is what I mean. Sorry, in the first half, and then the I was going to say let's let's get. Seems seems you brought it up. Let's talk about that Hardy chance at nil nil because it was a really really neat move that got Hardy the ball fed through to him. Now, as pe- regular listeners will know, I am very happy to put the tin hat on and defend Ryan Hardy to the hilt when he comes in line for some criticism and I'm going to have to do it again but how many times out of 10 would you expect Ryan Hardy to bury that and just how has he managed to not bury it or do we actually need to give credit in some circumstance here to the defending in the way that Hardy was put off trying to get his shot away I think you have to give some credit to the defending they did their job and they made it hard but he should still score I think from the angle that he's at and and the distance and goal he's at he should still score I think he's just got to—he's just got to blast it. He's just got to put his feet through it. And he tries to dink it, and often when Ryan Hardy tries to dink it, that is the right thing to do. Can it find its way into the net? But I think with that one, he's just got to put his laces through it. I think he's—he's he's too close to goal for it to dink up and back down. And obviously, what does happen is it dinks up and then doesn't sadly dink back down into the net. So he made the wrong choice. I think. I think he probably probably will know that. Um, just maybe a bit of a. Lack of confidence, maybe, um, getting back to full form, full fitness. But, you know, these things happen. But and that, that's a bit of a tangent. I, I know I know it was my fault for starting. That was a bit of a tangent from the main question. But, yeah, <laughs> the, the, the two best chances of the game probably both fell to Argyle with that one and then with Hardy's other chance in the second half with Kessler Hayden then nearly nodded at the far post. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it was a good defensive effort, without a shadow of a doubt. The defenders did their best to minimise QPR to 
kind of low to medium quality chances. As Ben said, we really, really made them earn their chances. We didn't give them any gifts at all. And on the occasions where they did get the ball on goal, Connor Hazard um, made a number of good saves. And um, as was a, a nice change from some of his games earlier in the season, that's better alludes to, he did dominate his area very well yesterday, which he hasn't always necessarily done. So, yeah, very fun, good, fantastic defensive rearguard effort. The away end was absolutely bouncing at full time. We celebrated it like a win, which in context, um, if somebody had said to you, you know, a few weeks ago when they were when they were really stagnating under Gareth Ainsworth that we're going to go to QPR and draw nil-nil and everyone in the way and we're celebrating it like a win, we'd have thought that sounds a bit uh, unambitious perhaps, but the reality of how it came about with QPR's recent upturn in form and the fantastic defensive rearguard effort to go down to after going down the 10 so early to then uh, play so well, I think entirely justifies the away end for being as happy as they were with the draw. So, yeah, very good defensive effort, very good team effort all round. Yeah, I, I, I probably agree with, with pretty much all you've said, Sam, which perhaps isn't going to be the case um, initially, not on your immediate reaction on WhatsApp as we when we get onto the red card shortly. Yeah. But Ben, I'll bring you in on this as well. You can both you can both chip in on this if you want, because I know you were putting some praise out on social media yourself yesterday, Ben. And Marty C. Fuentes, the R's manager, said to QPR and their website after the game, I think we can look at this game in two ways. The first one is that we were really bad in the first 10 to 15 minutes and we could have conceded two goals. The first half wasn't good at all. To be level wasn't the worst. And I think we've just heard from Sam there that we, we certainly should have been 1-0 up and Shuey referred to it himself. He goes on then to say, but we got into many situations in the second half and in a scenario against 10 men for 60 minutes, this isn't a good result. I am disappointed leaving with only one point tonight. He went on to say he told the lads to be calm, to trust themselves and to not rush things. The last touch of quality we had in other games was somewhat missing. And it was one of those games that you have to keep believing that it can happen. <laughs> Credit to those lads as they kept going, but it wasn't easy. Credit to Plymouth too. They defended well. We couldn't find a way to really penetrate them. And it wasn't easy to create the clear chances that we expected. Now, I've been quite critical of, not critical of this group, but I've pointed out to many people when I've done opposition previews that perhaps this squad is wouldn't be overly capable of sitting in a low block but just because of how attack-minded all of our players tend to be. We have a lot of players who like to get forward and tasking them the idea of sitting deep, sitting low and grinding out a result perhaps isn't quite in our makeup. That was some character and resilience that that group showed last night. In the face of adversity, we are going to come on to the red card in a second. To do that, to grind out a result, to pretty much abandon almost every principle this team has got to get the result, that must give you so much hope moving forward to the second half of the season that when the proverbial hits the fan, this team will dig in and find a way to get a result. It does, and, and, and not only, sorry, Ben, it does, and not only that, but it, it also gives me more confidence that actually, not for every game, but for some games, that's actually a style we can start with, that more sort of rearguard style. We have had games this season where we've gone... Someone, someone bit... clip this up, Sam wants us to park the bus, carry on. <laughs> in some games, yeah, because in, in, there are games where we've got to go on quite caviar and, and been one or two nil down very early in the game. And, and I just think that it, it shows that we are capable of playing in a defensive way. That's not the thing we can play like it every game. It's certainly not even the thing we can play like it every away game. Um, but in some away games against the bigger, bigger and better teams in this league, I'm thinking Southampton with their possession style, 
might be a good one to try this in. Sometimes having having that more counter-attacking approach and treating it a bit more like an FA Cup game isn't necessarily a bad thing to do. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I think that we didn't necessarily abandon our principles. I think if we could have counted, uh, we would have. I just and don't to, be fair, we, to be fair, yeah. I should probably go back on what I said there because we did have a, a five, six minute spell around the hour mark yeah. where we just seemed to grow in a bit of confidence with 10 men that we were actually playing we were actually able to play. Yeah. And there was that ch- There was obviously the chance where Hardy puts it across goal and Kessler Hayden can't get onto it. Yeah. And then there's the other chance where Miller puts the ball across and it's, it, it looks a matter of inches away from Hardy sliding in to get a touch. And, so and that's what... Say, there, was an op- there was an opportunity. Um, so perhaps me saying abandoning our principles was, was a little bit harsh, but... but the, no, the I, red- I, can, I completely understand where you're coming from. And, and that was the point I was going to make. The difference was we didn't go at it with gay abandon and, and just we, we kept our principles, but we, we understood the situation. We we showed some understanding that hasn't been, you know, the naivety that we've seen earlier in the season was gone. The idea that we're definitely going to go and nick this lads. It was like, no, if the opportunity presents itself, if the out ball is there, we'll use it, but we're not going to get frustrated if it isn't and understand the game state, um, which has, which has been, has, has been raised several times, I think, Amongst the fan base, as a you know, sometimes you need to just switch it up and do something ugly, and not just repeat the same things. As, as I think, was, was it yourself who raised? Oh no, it was Sam who raised the uh, the apocryphal Einstein quote of repeating oneself uh, being the uh, the definition of insanity, expecting different results. It's, it's, that think, does sound more like a Sam quote than a me quote. Yeah. To be honest, that was me. I can confirm. And 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 I think it was you know that was that was the difference. It was. There was still the, we're not going to abandon our principles, but we're going to accept the game state as it is, and we're going to adapt to it and adjust to it, which wasn't something that I would have seen us doing maybe even six or seven games ago. And that was the pleasing thing. I think there was the recognition, this is now a different game, and we're going to adjust appropriately. And there's been players that haven't even been able to adjust to the changing game state when it's been 11 versus 11 at some times. Um, I think of Kane Kessler-Hayden, who... Um, has had, you know, um, I don't say brain fart because that's disrespectful, but maybe a lack of concentration at times. But as a young man learning his craft, um, maybe hasn't been uh, as aware of the situation he's in at times, 
maybe pushing into midfield um, with a bit too much verve rather than paying attention to his defensive duties. But I think, you know, the was last that, few games that, he's was demonstrated... That was that highlighted, just jumping in, the moment where I think it was he lost possession or he overplayed on the box and then managed to pick himself up and pull off an outstanding double block? Yeah, yeah. Sliding but... in and then the second one getting up quickly and putting his body in the way. And we Does think that... about... Is that yeah. a sign that perhaps some of these young players are beginning to to learn, albeit it's taken us till December, but that there is, you know, we are suddenly starting to see green shoots in the philosophy and the way this team are going to are going to utilise it. Yeah, for sure. Like we, you know, we talk about Bristol City, don't we? And, and the way Kane Kessler Hayden was was I'm chasing <laughs> the way he sort of chased back nonchalantly and sort of gave up on the. Whereas I don't think if that game was replayed again and those players were put in that same situation, the same attitude would would be displayed. Um, and you know he got absolutely poleaxed against Millwall, but he sort of you know rolled around for for quite a while. I think probably more than maybe out of embarrassment as much as pain. Um, whereas now you kind of get the feeling that. You know, and, and this isn't a criticism of him because I think his ceiling is sky high. I think his ceiling, his potential is possibly as high as anybody in the in the squad within reason. Um, and he's come to us as a young man to learn his trade, to learn on the job. So he's going to make those mistakes. And I think it's quite evident the progress that he's making in terms of his discipline um, and his attention to his role in the team. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's sort of when you see that um, more mature, mature, attitude and display to his role and, and, and recognising the the change in the in the way the game is is balanced. There's definitely something to work on. And it's something of course that uh, you know we've re- to, to sort of go off on a tangent, we have to do. We we not bring in ready made players. We are developing them um, and the quicker we develop them, the better for us. You know, if you can develop someone in the first few months of the season you have a potentially a, a player better than you ought to be ought to have um for your your budget and your you know, your, your level for the last however many months of the season before they go back to their parent club. You know, if they take all season to develop, then that's an investment that doesn't work off. So work out. So, of course, you know, that those mistakes are going to be made. And the fact that now at the midpoint of the season, we're seeing those improvements among, I mean, even players who are young, who maybe don't need improvement, are still improving. And I, I don't want to go, to go on again to your later points. But, you know, Luke Cundor is a player who, plays with such maturity that you forget his age, you know, and even he has improved, even though, you know, arguably you could say if he played at the level he was playing at when he first came in the season, that would have been perfectly acceptable and, 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 and useful to the team. And yet even players like that are improving. So yeah, that definitely helps. And I think it was, it was more the nous of the team last night that was pleasing. No, I don't think they did necessarily change their principles. They, they just didn't have the outlet to do what they wanted to do regularly but it was a recognition that we don't have to panic and get those chances. We don't. If, if we're not going to get them, we're not going to get them. We can live with that and accept it, which I think is a very big shift in mentality, possibly especially from the manager, as much as from the, the players on the on the pitch. So, so that was encouraging to see, like you say. At least I, I, I think so. Well, you've mentioned Luke Cundall, so that's another item scratch off the list. Right, <laughs> moving swiftly on, we are at half an hour into tonight's live episode. Those of you who do want to get a comment or question or anything into us, do leave one in the comment section. Or if you have anything to chip in on, then do request to speak. We will try and get you involved. Aaron is about, and we are going to get him in at some point. James from One Team in Devon, we're hoping he's going to be able to join us 
at some point as well. But we must get on to the main talking point of the evening last night. Unfortunately, um, once again, it did involve a decision um, in the game. And a couple of views on the full-time thoughts. Gossy or Gossy, whatever it is. And apologise if I've butchered that wrong. Big points. Hell of a shift by the team, but feel like we dropped two points. Stupid tackle has cost us in the game, which we could have easily won. Galloway outstanding again. We're going to come on to Brendan in a bit. Then we've got Lee Palmer says, Galloway was superb, as was Cundall. Thought the superbs were spot on in the second half, but the overall team setup from the red card was a management masterclass. That result will, I think, lift them as a squad. And Kia has got an interesting view on it, which probably echoes Sam's immediate um, response at the time of the incident, he says, easily the better side until the red, then defended excellently. Although, is anyone else sick of these refs? Wasn't a great challenge, but was never a red for me. Argue we had better refs in League One. So, as we are all aware, on the 25th minute, Dan Scar went flying in on Elias' chair as he tried to knock the ball past him. Um, his foot was high. Um, he was reckless. He was also off the ground when he made the challenge. He literally ticked every box for serious foul play. Um, other than the fat chair probably didn't have to roll around about two dozen times before um, Tony Harrington had reached into his back pocket to brandish the red card. It was great to see a referee bring out the red circle card as well, rather than the generic um, rectangular red card. So let's bring everyone in. Jack and Dane, I do see you've requested. We'll get to you very shortly. Just want to get the panel's views on the red card. Um, James, Ben and Sam, take it in turns as you wish to discuss the red card. Sam, we know at the time you were, um, you and John who were at the ground, you sort of needed the benefit of a replay, I think, to be convinced. Have we managed to change your mind that it was a, a definite red card? Not quite definite. I, you, you, I'm, I'm a lot more understanding of why he's given a red. Um, my immediate thought of seeing it in the ground was, hang on a minute, he, he's just clipped him. It's, it's a little late, but it's a foul and, and a yellow. Um, seeing it again, the one thing I didn't quite appreciate the first time I saw, and I think even then, it, um, seeing it on a replay on a phone screen, in you know, when you're actually in the ground and kind of keeping half an eye on the game and briefly looking down at the ground to see what somebody's put in the group chat. You don't really maybe have enough time to concentrate on it. But when I've got home and, and properly watched it on a replay on a bigger screen and, and, and seen it in slow motion, yeah, um, I think he it is reckless. He, he has got both feet off the ground. Um, you, you're right, really. Elias Chair, sort of, who is a good player, and I'm trying not to be bitter, goes down like he's been sort of shot by a sniper in the crowd, doesn't he? And then rolls around for a few seconds, but... That's just the way football is nowadays. We wouldn't complain if our players did it, so so be it. Um, yeah, I think the one thing that does redeem Scar slightly, and the reason I'm not totally convinced of it being a red, is he doesn't actually catch him with his studs. I think he sort of catches him with the, the side of his foot. Um, he doesn't make full contact. And, and look, don't get me wrong, I think if he does make full contact, then... It's a good job he didn't make full contact. And if he did, then Elias Chair would be a lot more hurt than, than what he actually was. Um, so it's a good job he didn't make full contact. But by, by um, a lot, by a lot more hurt, you mean actually hurt? <laughs> <laughs> well, you may say that I couldn't possibly comment, but um, but yeah, I, I think the thing that does slightly redeem with Scar in terms of whether it should have been a red is he doesn't make a very clean contact, shall we say? He sort of 
brush his chair with the, the side of his foot. Um, I Look, by the letter of the law, is it reckless? Yes. Is it endangering an opponent? Yes. So I can see why he's given a red card. I just think it's one of those whereby um, it's not a malicious tackle in any way. It, it's, it is a bit reckless. It is a bit clumsy. There's no getting away from that. I don't think he's gone out there with any malicious intent. Um, and I know that doesn't in itself mean it's not a red. I, I do know that. But I just feel that in, in the, it's one of those whereby it was still quite early in the game. If you take a, if you take a bit of a common sense approach to it, I think that's a, that's a stern word and, and, and it's the last warning. Um, and maybe I'm biased. Maybe if that was going against us, I'd be there screaming for a red. Maybe I would. Uh, that's all I can say, really. I think, given the oh, oh, there is one more thing I was going to say. Given the recent talk about football, maybe trialing sin bins with an orange card for a ten-minute penalty or whatever off the pitch, that's the very definition of a sin bin. It's almost too bad a tackle to be a yellow, but in my view, not quite bad enough to be a red. So I can see why he's given it. Either way, Scar's given the ref a decision to make, so we can't really um, fault him too much. Ben. This is. This is ben, one of very my... quick, before we bring Jack and Dane in who've requested to speak, do you have anything to add on the, on the yeah. red card? Yeah, the law is the law. It's a red card. It doesn't, there's no matter of intent. There's no matter of contact. You can get a red card for not making contact because the law says any player who lunges at an opponent in challenging for the ball, whether it's with one foot or two feet or from the front side or back, if they use excessive force, now this is what I think Sam is referring to, he doesn't use excessive force. It's not like he takes uh, like a real stamp at him. But the other half is excessive force or endangers the safety of an opponent is guilty of serious foul play. And he certainly endangers him. Yes, he doesn't. But it's the point of, you know, there's a difference between endangering and hurting. And you endanger. Yeah. Like if, you, if you take a, a flying two-footed murderous chest high lunge at someone and they, they see it and pirouette out of it, you can't say well, he wasn't endangering the opponent because he didn't hit him. That's still serious foul play. And the fact that Ilias Chair moved away from the challenge or Dan Scar, you know, didn't catch him in the, you know, didn't castrate him or take off his kneecap is irrelevant to the fact that it endangered him. There is no ambiguity in the law. The ambiguity comes in, you could, you could argue, what's a lunge? When does a stretch become a lunge, for example? Um, or, you know, what qualifies as excessive force? Um, but, by the letter of the law, that was a clear red card. And yes, me, you know, if you want to say, would it be an orange or something under, if you were to reword the law to allow for those, yes. But this is one of my pet hates that we talk about refs getting stuff wrong and then we ask for ambiguity and things which are clear cut. This is why when things go against us, we, we, we bemoan them because there's this pressure to, to see things from a, from a partisan viewpoint and, and unfortunately that's as clear a red card by the letter of the law as, you, as you're likely to see i think i think all this talk about if there was an orange card and things i think gino de campo once said a, a thing about if grandmothers had wheels or something or other you can you can fill in the blanks all ifs and buts i think um there were the other things to remember is there were two points of contact with um elias char there was obviously the i think the initial point of contact was dan scar's foot was high and and was around the thigh area. And then actually as Scar's leg is returning down to earth, um, he, I think it does look like he might have clipped um, Cher's uh, heel or Achilles or ankle area. And obviously, you know, he's, he's, you know, we're obviously grateful that he wasn't seriously hurt and he, he went on to, to have quite an influential game 
for QPR. James, I see your hands up. We're just going to quickly bring in um, Dane first, then Jack, um, who have um, requested to speak. Dane, we'll bring you in first. Um, if you want to unmute yourself, um, what is it you've got to say on, on last night's draw, the red card, or is it just a general point on, on somebody in the team you wanted to make? Is he there or is he on mute? Uh, I think you need to make him a speaker, Joe. He's still <coughs> showing he's being a listener. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, it's showing, his, it's showing his speaker on mine. Um, oh, I see. He's showing his listener on mine. Um, we'll, try, we'll, try and, we'll try and bring Jack in all this modern, all this modern technology. Jack, if you want to unmute yourself and, and give us your views on the red card or anything else that happened in the game. Yeah, evening, lads. Well, back from my mid-weekly ramble. Um, yeah, well... I didn't really, to be honest, this is a very big disclaimer. I didn't really watch much of the game because I was having a bit of a university hiatus in Southampton yesterday, but scoured the internet and got the game up. So, uh, red card, first things first, bit of a... I don't, I don't think it's a straight red. I think, looking at it, I know, obviously, boot, boots and feet... <clears throat> You're off the ground. He's not. But I think because I I took into aspect of where he was on the field, like that he was practically playing centre mid. Um, I don't think like given the basis of where he was on the field, I don't think it is a straight red. I think it was. It, yeah, it's definitely a yellow. It's just a bit more of a fact. Was was it a red? Like I haven't watched the replay too many times because I'm still annoyed with him, but. When I do have a look back here, which I probably will in a minute, um, I'll probably get a clearer view. But my first initial thought was it wasn't a straight red at all. Yellow at most, in my opinion. But is what it is. It's the obviously rules of the game. And then coming on to the overall performance, ever since we went down to 10, I think we did I think we did really, really well. Dug in, got a point. And that's five minutes before... Scar got sent off. Like as we were saying, we should have been at least four, five nil up. Like Hardy with that evident chance. Jack, I think your um your internet might be giving out, so we'll we'll bring Dane in. Um, Dane, if you want to um unmute yourself and and give us your views on whether or not the about the red card or as I say, a player or or the performance in general. Um, if you want to take yourself off mute, um, and give us your views. Evening, guys. Um. Look, I mean, first and foremost, you've got to put aside any kind of loyalties. I mean, that was as blatant a red card as you'll ever see. Um, it was it was absolutely terrible defending from Dan Scar because number one, he's he's absolutely lunged in when there's absolutely no need. He's got players around him. He's not the last man. Um, he's he doesn't need to be lunging like that. He's given the referee a decision to make. What he should be doing there, like any good defender, is jockeying the man, showing him away from danger, and then wait for a trigger point to move in and take the ball, or wait for somebody to come in and help him um, and pressure to win the ball back. But he's lunged in like an absolute madman, and he shouldn't be doing that. It's it's really really bad defending, um, and and he's give the rest. Is it is it even? Do you think it's even worse because it's such a seasoned professional? Like, if it was perhaps one of the younger lads, you could put it down to a bit of youthful exuberance. But it's the fact that somebody who's played so much football um, that they've still been caught out and, yeah. and made such a reckless challenge like I that. I guess so. But, you know, like, you know, we all watch, we all watch um, Super Sunday. We watch 
the big competitions, the World Cup, and you see you see at every level of the game, people do stupid things at different times. They're only human, but that's a really bad error in terms of a defender. He is an experienced defender. He shouldn't be lunging in like that. But you do see stupid, stupid mistakes. Um, but there's no way he should be lunging in like that on the halfway line, especially when his team's on top and pushing as well. And they were just starting to look like they were going to get get something from from um, the pressure that they were applying. Um, in terms of um, Argo as, as uh, a performance, um, I thought they were on top for the first half an hour. Um, and then I thought what they, what they did do is... I heard somebody just now say they, they moved away or they didn't move away from their principles as such. I, I don't think they moved away from their principles, but what they did have to do was put a, put a really good low block on. And, and you, got, you almost saw a kind of a, a, a bank of um, a bank of five and a bank of four in the second half or, you know, where, where they had to really... Were you, as, were you as surprised by me that we were able to pull that off, Dane, or does it not come no, to shock No, because something you? happens when you've got something to fight for. I mean... You know, when when I've when we've played football in the past, we always used to say to to my teams, we've always said, you know, don't let the opposition get something they can fight for. Don't give them something to fight for because it's a dangerous dangerous mindset to be in. And and all of a sudden, Argo had this kind of grit and mentality that they had to fight for that draw. They had to really dig deep. They put that low block on. There was a bit of tactics involved, but it was a sheer determination and, and, and will and a bit of team spirit that got them through as well. Um, you know, like the example just now of the Kessler Hayden one where he's blocking, blocked two attempts across in the space of five seconds um, was perfect. I think Miller coming on and Randall coming on at a good time. Um, then all, all of a sudden, Argo had a few sniffs down the other end as well. I thought Miller was outstanding, if I'm honest. He got Argo up the pitch. He was a good outlet. Um, and and the the only thing I would say is I was surprised he took Azaz off at the time because I thought Azaz was was um, our best player at the time. But I can kind of understand because he had to move to that shape where he needed Mumba to drop in as a kind of a wing back, and, and he's probably the only one on the pitch at the time that could have done that. But me personally, I, w- I thought he would have sacrificed Mumba and 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 kind of just left Galloway out there. But um, overall, a good night. It becomes a really good point if they can get three on Saturday, you know. It, yeah. and, and I think yeah. it's important they. Bat, I know you'll probably talk about Saturday in a minute, but it it becomes a really good point. They have to back it up now with a win on Saturday. These are the games they have to back it up. If they can back a point up and take four from the week, brilliant. Um, just very quickly, Dane, before we get um, James in, your man of the match from from last night. If you had to pick one. Out of the out of the players that were on I the pitch, I think because of his circumstances, because of his situation, you have to go with Galloway, don't you? I mean, he's already played. Mm. We looked at his stats last night in the little like WhatsApp group. I mean, he's played sixty-eight games in thirteen years of his career. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a disgusting career, really. It's it's absolutely minging. But to put a performance like that in, brilliant. If the boy can stay fit, he'll be an asset to Argo in this league. He's he's got great pedigree um, from the clubs he's been at. He's played in the Premier League for Everton. Um, you know, he's he's a really, really good defender. He shocked me actually at how well he played. I also think um I also think or I I hope um from the outside, it's probably not like this, but I hope Cleggy isn't being messed about because I think he's a really good footballer. Um and I kind of 
it looks like scars being picked against the teams that might be a little bit more direct and Pleggy plays against the teams that, that might be playing a little bit more football um, because Scar's obviously a little bit more physical in the air than, than Pleggy's. But I think it's time Pleggy and Gibson started to, to um, develop a bit of a partnership. Um, and and I, I really hope Pleggy's um, not being doesn't feel like he's being messed about by going in the team, coming out the team, going in the team, coming out the team. So I think it's time for those two to start developing a bit of a partnership. But sorry, the long-winded answer is Galloway. Yeah, no worries, mate. Obviously, it's a good talking point. We're going to come on to team for the weekend first. James, um, you had just your... before Just before you bring James in, mate, I'm oh, going to, right, I'm right. Going to bow out. Curry's wrath here. I've been trying to get him in. I'm, I'm just, just going to bow out. Just going to bow out. Now you've got James and Aaron on board. So I'll, I'll hang around as a listener, but I've got to, I've got to get on with a, a few other things. So thanks for yeah, having me. Yeah, no worries, Ben. Great job, no mate. Problem, mate. Um, James, um, I saw your hand was raised there. Um, good to have you pop in. Um, we're talking that Dane's raised the point there about Pleggy and, and Gibson. Um, obviously, we've got Galloway in that position as well. Obviously, we do now need another centre-half um, to come in alongside Gibson on Saturday. Does it is it Pleggy? Is it a sewn up thing, or are we perhaps looking at Galloway? Or if any of our listeners know, where's Macaulay Gillespie? Yeah, well, uh, not to rake over old Graham with the red card, but I just wanted to make a um, <clears throat> interesting observation that uh, I was actually by some weird twist of of fate in a box uh, last night watching the game uh, with a bunch of QPR supporters <clears throat> so I got a bit of a unique perspective and none of them thought it was a red and then we had our TV in the box and we turned around and watched the replay immediately as soon as it happened and everyone in the box said it wasn't a red and and then the, all the fans below me only started baying for a red when the or sort of uh giving the away fans stick when the red actually came out I don't think I didn't see any of them calling for a red so in real time it's uh it sort of took everyone in my area in the sort of QPR side of things uh by, by by surprise, which is obviously um, the most people I've seen identifying it as a red have been Argyle fans, and perhaps that's on repeat viewing. But I thought that was just an interesting observation, um, without going uh, raking over old ground. But yeah, I thought Dane made a great point that uh, just on Pleggy, I just thought what a gut busting performance he put in um, with everyone, of course, but just the fact that we talked at length. Um, after the Leicester game about some lethargic effort and tracking back and, well, didn't see any of that um, last night. And in fact, I can't remember, I haven't managed to identify it, um, the exact second on the um, format replay, but uh, he absolutely motors back um, with them on a, on the charge. And you just, obviously, you wouldn't have seen Scar making that run. And, and if Scar was capable of making that kind of gut-busting run, he would have gone with Chair and not hacked him down on the heart, on the centre circle because clearly he felt isolated against his, his pace and skill, which led him into the challenge in the first place. So, um, yeah, I think it's Pleggy's to make that spot his now. Um, I agree with Dane. He's been in, you know, is it in and out. And I don't think that's helpful for building um, a good, solid partnership at the back uh, and now he's got a chance to to really show everyone what he's about and put in some solid performances because he has put in some, some has, has some great moments and some dodgy moments and that penalty last week obviously it's just time for him to I think make that his now and, and if he can't do that in three games then we have to we have to look at that 
as a as a as a sec as a section of three. You know, it's got three games now. Let's look at that as a whole. Let's not look at ninety minutes in isolation because there's so many variables. Let's let's hopefully nails that down and and we find out what he's really about. So, um, Gillespie, Stewie made comments reported by the Herald today about Gillespie. He hasn't been making the squad. Obviously, he will be making the squad. Um, now that was pretty much confirmed by Schumacher, but even he said that he had his work cut out to get into the team. So, be interesting to see how isn't much it, he. It's an interesting he, one, though, isn't it? Because since Hull, he's just he doesn't seem to have had a look in. He's had a couple of games where he sat on the bench and and done the halftime warm ups and things, but there hasn't there hasn't been a um, any opportunity for him. And I accept that obviously Gibson and and Scar and Plegrazelo have had it sewn up. But there have been moments where we have questioned the the central defenders. And I would have thought by now that perhaps there was an opportunity to to bring Macker in for a game. It just all seems a little bit strange because there was a lot of radio silence over it as well. It's yeah, he was... he's a left sider, isn't it? Sorry, because obviously it's Scar and Plegrazelo who've both had some questions asked, whereas Gibson's been pretty much almost consistently excellent, so it gets it's harder for Gillespie to come in when the left side is doing so well. Guys, sorry to butt in, but the problem you've got here is, is, is I made a point earlier on, because we've got no reserve team football, you get instances now where you've got a player, so we take Gillespie as, a, as an example, a player that might not play for six weeks, and then all of a sudden he's asked to do a job one week out of the blue, a little bit similar last week to Butcher, um, he's asked to do a job out of the blue and they're not match sharp. You know, they're not sharp to do it. And and so it's really difficult situation. In my opinion, Argo need to find a, a mechanism again to have reserve team football so these players can keep their hand in, you know, so, so they can call upon these squad players when they need them because they're going to come in and they're going to be undercooked. It's, it's a shame, really, because as, as regular listeners will know, I was always such a big fan of the... Uh the Papa John's trophy and it would have been really beneficial to have had that this season um, to get these players minutes. Aaron, you're raising your hand. Now, usually on these podcasts, you don't have to raise your hand to speak. Um, so in a weird quirk of fate, good evening to the show and, and what would you like to contribute? Dave's basically covered what I was going to say in the, in the fact that um, we need to find some way in which we can get those on the fringes minutes um maybe it's more of a brentford style uh b team situation in which we have uh half of um i was about to say darren way but obviously it's jamie lowry's side now um go off and play they have their own fixtures as well uh, we don't really have the squad for a for a b team and we definitely don't have the the finances in, in order to bring in um players I mean, you know, we've got the likes of Ben Wayne, Tyreek Wright, um, Macaulay Gillespie, um, Callum Burton. But, I mean, beyond like a five-a-side team up goals, um, finding a finding a way in which we can get these players reserve football um, is obviously a lot more difficult than than the idea in principle, which is which is something we, we, I'm sure they're looking at and I'm sure they're, they're most probably uh, trying to find a way. But I completely agree because I, I was going to say the same as Dane in the fact that we bring these players in from the from the cold, and then uh, obviously Shui Roulette means that we're, we're we're constantly mixing up. What was it? Uh, what was it? Four changes up at Leicester's. Uh, was it eight changes last night? Like 
I appreciate we have um, quick turnaround in these games, but uh, other clubs don't. I, I, well, I'm sure that there are stats to, to prove or disprove, but I don't think other clubs are, are rotating as much as we are. So, um, it, uh, the, 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 trying to find that reserve football or football for other sides just just doesn't seem. It's, it's quite odd, actually, listening to Aaron's opinion on football and not have him asking us questions. Um, just a couple sometimes. of... Do you occasionally? Okay, that's interesting. Um, just very quickly before we go on, because we've got the, the Rotherham preview to, to squeeze in, and I accept that we have now been going for, for coming up to an hour. A um, couple of bits. Ryan, we see your question. Um, we have replied to it. I think that will probably have to go into um, the Rotherham pod Aaron, if you if you see that question, um, another Ryan at Argyle Flyer asks, "How much did the Green Army help spur the lads on to see out the draw?" Aaron and Sam, I know you were there. James, you were eating prawn sandwiches in a box there at Loftus Road. You can perhaps give us the the view from within the the QPR camp, as it were, um, on the Argyle support. I mean, it was incredibly loud on Argyle TV. Um, I think a lot of people. Potentially, if they didn't already have green and white Barmy Army going round their head today, they certainly will have by the end of the week. Um, it was some support, wasn't it? Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, and you know, the, the the prawn sandwich area was sort of uh, regular corporate box goers and their guests, perhaps who weren't having very little QPR allegiance, and um, uh, you know, all of that. And I was a singular Argyle fan in the box, so uh, <laughs> therefore uh, targeted for all uh, attention, like I was some kind of um, sort of freak show specimen. Um, and yeah, all of them commented on the support. Um, unfortunately, I was about behind about two inches of glass, uh, so it actually muted the uh, um, the, the, the scene. And even that came through, um, obviously, not just after the final whistle, but approaching the final whistle was fantastic. Um, couldn't hear anything from the QPR fans from my position, sort of uh, halfway inside the um, half towards the Argyle fans. So yeah, just you know, it's so impressive the way it took, I took some great photos for the newsletter uh, of um, sort of amassed fans on that on that um, sort of two tier stand, and and it's and it's a it's a fantastic ground when it when it, when it's noisy as well. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. They 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 played for each other. They played for the fans, and the fans, our fans, um, responded and um, and saw them over the line. So yeah, it's one of those. I think we'll we'll talk about that result for a long time if we stay up. Aaron, I haven't been to QPR before. It was a new tick for me, um, which annoyingly takes me off sixty nine grounds and puts me on to seventy. Um, yeah. Um, I'd only heard, um, not bad things, but people moaning about the away end, but their away end is one of the best I've ever been in. Like, I felt like we were, you, it feels like you could bend over and touch the touchline, which is, which is amazing. I'm a big fan of that. Um, at Asmir Begovic, John noted that he looked, uh, he was dressed like a 90s uh, game character, something out of like Sensible Soccer or something. It was unmatching um, <laughs> uniform um but no where was i going with it but yeah obviously i tweeted on the the argyle life account about um the atmosphere in the last couple of games has been has been amazing at leicester and at qpr and obviously that the, the final uh half an hour against stoke it was it was obviously raucous there because of because of Adam randall i think 
we just need to make sure we bring that into to games on on Saturday, especially against Rotherham. You know, if we're we know that obviously this one is is a much more winnable game than, than the last two we've just played, but um, I feel like that that the crowd last night obviously helped um, any defensive uh, capabilities we had, and I, I just feel like home park needs to be absolutely rocking this season. Like, but we have waited so long to come back to this to this level of football and and to match the, um, the you know the effort on the pitch as well and, and the, I've you know I've only been back to home park what for, I'm going to say four or five times this season not as much as I'd like but is that because you live is that because you live in Orange by any chance it's um it's flattered to to, to to deceive a little bit even even I didn't wasn't a massive fan of the atmosphere at, when we were six two up against Norwich um the aforementioned Norwich, but I just feel like we as, as fans, we, we, we've, we've done it, we've proved it. You know, every away game this season has been pretty good um, atmosphere-wise. We just need to take that into home park and I'm aware that away fans are obviously a lot rowdier than home fans, but um, we can definitely play our part, um, you know, especially against these the, the sides that we should be beating. Um, the, only, the only other thing I was going to say on that is that um, I'm in like a little championship chat group with, with other uh, content Friends. creators. Yeah, it sounds Friends. horrific when I say it out loud. Um, you know, we were just discussing that the championship atmospheres across the board just seem to be dead. Um, so if we can if we can make a real difference at Home Park, I mean, it's already a tough place to go. We know that. We know that we're, that we're you know, form dictates. Obviously, we haven't won on the road. So home form is absolutely brilliant compared to away form. But it's just providing that extra level in which we can I think I'm rambling now I'm going to let you go but just the last thing obviously QPR absolutely quiet quite a scram we've been to in in quite some time I'm a big fan of their weird little glass box up to our right I was a big fan of that Um, it's it's the simple things that that amuse you Aaron um so it has been mentioned Jack I've seen you request it I'm going to get you in shortly pal we'll just get um, Aaron, Sam and James's views on this. Um, Sam, I'm going to come to you for this just because of your your history when it comes to these um, preview podcasts that are always recorded separately to, to match reviews. Um, the home table in the championship has Plymouth Argyle 7th, played 10, won 6, drawn 1, lost 3, scored 24, conceded 14. The away form table has Rotherham 24th, Played 10, won none, drawn two, lost eight, scored only four, conceded 25. The floor is yours, Sandown, to make an outrageous comment that will end up all over <laughs> social media. <laughs> you, you've, you've set me up either way there, really, haven't you? Because, you know, if, if, if I say we win and based on those stats and we now don't win, I'm set up for lots of mockery from opposing fans. And if there's anything other than we, then we won't win... Then, then I'm just being ridiculously negative, aren't I? Given the stats you've you've created, you've really sort of. Um... I wouldn't be do- I wouldn't be doing my duty as podcast host <laughs> if I didn't set you up for failure. Yeah, you've given me a bit of a hospital pass there, haven't you? But anyway, yeah. um, look, I think we will probably win because let's be honest. I know we all we all as excuse me, I do apologise. Got the hiccups going on. I think we are, we all as football fans are attuned to kind of expect the unexpected and to expect the kind of almost like you know. Uh, unpredictable outcome or humorous outcome or whatever in, in a way but in reality when when the stats are that pronounced heavily into the season the overwhelming probability albeit not certainty is that we will end up 
winning the game or, um, you know, um, out certainly not losing it. I mean, I know a draw would still be disappointing, but it would be very, very unlikely for Rotherham to get a win based on those stats. Um, I think you have to factor in that they've just appointed a new manager. Liam Richardson is a manager with a very good record in the lower leagues. Not such a great record in this league. He got sacked by a, by Wigan, who had a very good season as champions, got in League One, got promoted to this league and then didn't do too well and, and ended up getting the sack. Um, so maybe his record at this league leaves a little bit to be desired. But he was assistant to Paul Cook for a while, who's been a very good manager in the English pyramid and he's now a much higher ranked manager than Cook in his own right. Um, so he, as a manager, he's formidable. He's not to be sniffed at. Um, overall, I think we'll have enough about us um, just because I think he's still very much getting the grips of that team. And if he is going to get a few wins, I think they will at least begin uh, at home, which is when they're very strong. So, yeah, I, I think we're strong favourites, but you never know. Football is a funny game. Yeah, I think we should we should just underline, um, obviously, I accept what you were saying about Richardson's tenure at Wigan. I think we should just underline some of the um, unbelievable work that he, he did at, at Latix, obviously, through the administration, getting them up. Obviously, um, you know, he was... He was essentially the first on hand when when Charlie White um, collapsed at, at training for Wigan, and then went on to win Manager of the Year as the year they got promoted as champions. And of course, we we um, we got what looked to be a valuable point there the week before the final game of the season against MK Dons, and it wasn't to be. And it obviously didn't work out for him last season at, at Wigan in the Championship. Um, Forty nine wins and one hundred and seventeen games as as Lassic boss. I mean, James, I made the point today, there's a um, preview coming out on um, the new, on the Rotherham podcast, which we'll, we'll retweet when it's live that um, perhaps Richardson hasn't quite had the luxury of, of a, putting his stamp on the Rotherham team. If you like, they play Tuesday, Wednesday, it'd be a recovery day. They train today. They'd have to travel tomorrow game on Saturday. Do we have to fear a, a new manager bounce here, or is this just about what we do in the game ourselves, back on our own patch? Obviously, we've got to raise ourselves after a monumental effort last night. Um, is this all about us, or do we have to be really, really watchful of, of the threat that Rotherham will pose? I think it would take quite a leap of analysis, which I'm sure the club have, have, have put together, to work out... Um, tactically what we might be expecting from such a small sample size so yes I think you're right we have to um, focus on us express ourselves put put out our strongest side and do what we do um, I think if there's something that I immediately cast my mind back to is the Millwall game and how we struggled um, through uh, a, a well medium to low block and a side that really targeted keeping Whitaker quiet um, and if we learned any lessons from that game, then I think they they should be front of mind for the Rotherham game, because for a new manager coming into a team in the state that Rotherham are in, the first thing he's going to want to be doing is keeping clean sheets uh, and starting to build some confidence through the side. Now, I don't think the way that they would do that is to come try and blow us away at home with our record and their form, but to grind out a uh, a result. A clean sheet, um, and maybe nick something, walk away with a draw, maybe walk away with a smash and grab, would be 
absolute tonic for Rotherham. So we're going to have, I think it's quite clear that we're going to have to be mindful that we may not, they may, they may try and shut us down more than express themselves. And we're going to have to navigate that. So if we learn lessons, there's one game I've seen this season that stands out. It, it's Millwall. Um, and we need to, we need to learn some lessons from that and, and bring them into this game, I think. Yeah, I think I think that's fair enough, and I think it's probably important that we approach the first 10, 15 minutes in a similar way than what we did last night. I think if we can hurt Rotherham early um, and get our our head above the water, I think it becomes a, it could potentially become a very a very tricky afternoon for them. Obviously, we've got to be wary of of some of the good players they've got. Um, Jack, Aaron, um, anyone want to weigh in on? Any pre-Rotherham thoughts before um, we wrap up? Obviously, I don't expect five or six changes coming into Saturday's game. I think, obviously, we've got to bring in a, a centre-half. We don't know whether Michael Cooper is going to be fit or not. Um, and then, obviously, there's any question marks further up the field. Any any pre-Rotherham thoughts that Sam and James haven't covered so far? It's just, sorry, it's just no easy games in the league, is it? They just have to approach the game the same way they would if they were playing one of the better sides in the league. Argyle have always got threat, especially at home, um, and the crowd need to get behind them. But like um, it's just been said, uh, I think everybody approached the Millwall game thinking we can get some more points here and got bitten. And, and I think that's exactly what they have to do this week. Um, they have to um, really take the game to Rotherham because there will it won't be an easy game. There are no easy games in this league. Yeah, I'd agree. Aaron, Jack, anything more to add on on the Millers? It's just we have to win this. There's just there's no ifs, buts, maybes. It's just it's just as simple as we have to get three points. I think I like to like to predict the lineups. As you know, never ever claim to be in the know, and I'm very sorry that I, I'm very close at getting quite a few of them right. Apparently, Enzo Baresca's not a fan of that, or is a big fan of that. Um, but I think, I think the team sort of picks itself apart from the whole the whole Cooper uh, Hazard situation. I think the likes of the likes of Kondal, Azaz. Uh, Whitaker's undroppable. I think the, the only question really might be on Mumba, but I think I think he gets a run. You know, if, if we if he can't, it, I think Saturday's big for Mumba in the fact that if he can't get up for it and and show us what he's really about against against arguably. Yeah, fair enough. After after that, but um, just going on to the keeper debate really quickly. Um, I'm genuinely not bothered. I don't don't care. I appreciate that. That um, you know, uh, Ben has said many times that that Hazard's stats and and uh, his distribution and stuff, but you know, it, it's it's arguably better if you look at the stats. But me and John on on Wednesday night were playing a playing a little game of um, uh, Hazard hokey cokey. Every time he got the ball, we, we would say in or out at where we would put it, and um, it felt like it went out a lot more than it should. Um, yeah, he's. Uh, I'm, I'm not really bothered about the keeper situation. They sit there both. Both more than capable. I'd just, I'd be very surprised if it was Callum Burton. Uh, I think that'd be the only, the only keeper change that would, that would. Yeah. Justice for Callum. Justice for Callum. Uh, Jack, anything that hasn't been touched upon yet um, on the Rotherham game that you want to add yourself, or any prediction for, um, any prediction for the team, or have we, have we pretty much covered your thoughts on the Millers? You will obviously have to unmute yourself if you. 
if you've got anything to add. I did see you raise your hand when I think Aaron it was who was talking. Because um, we haven't got too much longer left tonight's live episode and give you a little taste of what's to come in the next week or so um, at this point. So that is an hour and 15 minutes of rambling from us here on the Green and White pod. <laughs> Really quickly, Joe, I know I appreciate it. you're on hosting duty, so I'll leave you to it. Obviously, you, you already mentioned that you were on the, the New York talk. Rotherham I was. Is there, is, yeah. is, there anything, is there anything from that that you learned that we should be wary of? Obviously, the ahead of the Kieran Agard derby. The Kieran Agard, the Mikhail Miller derby, probably more appropriate. Um, not really. Um, just to give you a little insight on what's to come, we didn't really touch on the Millers. I did give a little bit of praise to Liam Richardson. He is a manager that I... Um, I like, I think it's probably easier to name the managers in the championship that I dislike, although that might come in a future episode. Um, you know, we we touched on, obviously, Argyle's home form and, you know, Rotherham's away form is, is pretty dire. I think um, there isn't a huge away contingent coming down from what I understand. Obviously, it's it's a ruddy long way to come, just nine days before Christmas. So I think any... Um, slandering that that goes on just needs to bear in mind just how far Rotherham are having to come with their league position factored in and their away form. I know obviously we we've just taken five thousand fans in in three in four days on our travels and but that's to be expected. Um but other than that it was a, a pretty standard preview. That'll be out um at some point before the weekend. We'll obviously get that put out um, on our channels but just uh, as we wrap up um, thank you to Aaron, Sam, Ben, James, Dane, Jack everyone who's got involved for all your full-time thoughts post the QPR game we will be back um, with a new pod on Monday um, where I believe Aaron you can correct me if I'm wrong but I believe you're going to be joined by Sam, Ben and Graham is returning back to the pod um, this weekend that will be out um, on Monday, obviously via all your regular podcast platforms. And if you didn't already know, get yourself subscribed to Argyle Life's YouTube channel because now you can see our lovely faces and all the times that Aaron rolls his eyes when we take away his talking points during our monologues. Um, so head over to Argyle Life on YouTube as well as all your regular podcast platforms. We are now um, publishing our podcast. <laughs> um, so do get yourself over to that um, on Monday. The regular pod will be out then. And I'm sure Aaron will give you all the details for our Christmas pods, um, which I believe the plan is are all going to be rolled into one. Um, but thank you, everyone, for getting involved. Um, we do enjoy doing these, these live spaces. Um, unfortunately... That is our last midweek space now until uh, February, I think it is. February, Valentine's Day. Um, home to QPR, uh, home to QPR, home to Coventry, I think we are, um, on Valentine's Day. So those of you who do have to um, take your partners out for a meal or something before or after the game, please make sure you plan that accordingly because we will need Home Park full for that one we need home park full for saturday there are still tickets available the club have announced today that tickets are available um in block 22 i believe obviously with rotherham 
failing to tell their allocation out, there are now more tickets available to home fans. So if you know somebody who wants to go to the game, who perhaps isn't able to get a ticket because they're not a season ticket or an evergreen, get them to get online and snap those tickets up. We need home park full, as Aaron says. We need it bouncing. We want three points. And hopefully, come five o'clock on Saturday, that league table will just look that little bit sweeter with another three points. It's over and out from me. It's over and out from everyone on the pod. Thank you for listening. That was the Green and White podcast brought to you by Argyle Life. Post Argyle QPRs, nil, nil. And we will see you all on Monday morning. Letters, folks. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.